for that. I do covet your prayers. I'm going to begin reading chapter 13 at verse 22, and I'll stop somewhere before the end of the chapter. I probably won't read as much as I would like unless the Lord would have me, but, but uh, I want to read enough to give you, give you the idea of what this message and this passage of Scripture is about. The Bible said, Luke says, he, meaning Jesus, went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not, whence are ye? Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence are ye? Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and ye yourself thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and keep hence, for Herod, uh, for Herod will kill thee. I love this. And he said unto them, Go tell you that, that fox. Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day, and I will be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Listen to the next verse. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how oft I would have gathered thy children together as the hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the Privilege to be in the house of the Lord God. What a great joy it is to be part of the blood-washed, bought-redeemed. Thankful to be a part of your family. Thankful to be a part of the church that, that you have purchased with your blood, empowered by your spirit, entrusted with your word. Thank you for the witness that we have within us that lets us know without a doubt that we belong to Christ and Christ belongs to us. Father, I thank you for the word that's before us that you have allowed me to read. And I know it's blessed, but I pray that you'd bless it once again. Bless these old lips of clay, Father, as I seek to set it forth as you have given it unto me. May I rightly divide it. And may, Father, the words, Lord, have the touch of God upon them. May, Lord, hearts that are saved be edified and stirred. And may someone in this place that's lost, someone uh, watching the live stream or listening eventually to sermon audio, may, Lord, if they're lost and undone, come to realize that Jesus came to be their Savior if they'll put their trust in him. Have your own way. Father, use me for just a few moments of time 
We'll be sure to give you all the praise and glory and honor for it all if we ask it. That name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. I want to draw our attention back to a couple of verses of Scripture. Well, actually one, verse 23, I won't read verse 24 with it. As they were journeying with Jesus, as he was on his way to Jerusalem, one among them asked this question. Look in verse 23. Lord, are there few that be saved? I want to talk to you this morning for a little while about this, asking a better question. Oh, that was a good question. I don't know about you all. I'd like to know how many are going to be saved. In fact, I, 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 I would, but I'm glad I don't I know how many are saved and how many will be saved because I'd be more anxious for the last one to get saved than I already am. Did you all understand that? You see, I believe there's a number that's going to make up the bride of Christ. Members, we're all members of one body. And when all of those members I get into that one body, I believe that's when the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we, I like that word, we are alive and remain. We'll be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye. We'll be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and I like this. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm not one of those bunch, thank God, that believe we're going to stay here and go through the wrath of God's judgment uh, for the time of Jacob's trouble. Hey, I like what David Cook said, when I hear the toot, I'm going to scoot. Amen. So asking a better question. Let me set this up for you. It shouldn't take me long, and I mean that, to preach this message. I told you last week not to get too accustomed to it, but maybe you ought to get accustomed to it a little bit. At this time, as we find Jesus in the Scripture, we know he had been to the northmost part of the nation of Israel, a place called Philippi. It was there that he asked that great question to his apostles, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Everybody's got an opinion about who Jesus is. But listen to me, sir, man, you best be sure you have the right answer about him. You best be sure that you know he's the only begotten son of God, the virgin born of Mary, that he's the sinner's substitute, and that he's the redeemer of whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. It's one thing to know about him. But the important thing is to know him personally as your Savior. Some of that day were saying that he was Elijah. Uh, some were saying that he was Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus looked at his 12 chosen and said, whom do, men, whom do ye say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter spoke up as the spokesman he often was, and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's why, that's how we need to know him. And the reason why we need to know him, he is the way unto heaven, the truth, and the life. So they... Jesus and his apostles, six months before his crucifixion, up in the north in Caesarea Philippi, began to make their way to Jerusalem. He had a, he had a date to keep. He had a destiny. He was on a mission, and he was commissioned by God Almighty. And there he was traveling down, um, down 
to Galilee, then through the Jordan Rift Valley, and up past Jericho, up the Judean hill to that great city we know as Jerusalem. In fact, if you turn back a chapter or two, in chapter 9, verse 51 of this same book of Luke, the Bible says that it set his face towards Jerusalem. So upsetting that was to the Samaritans. They didn't like him to be in their country. That upset him. I don't know about you, friend, but I'm glad that he knew his destiny. I'm glad he knew what he was supposed to do and where he was supposed to do it. And it was on an old rugged cross just outside the north wall, the city of Jerusalem, where he suspended between the heaven and the earth, took my sin and your sin and the sin of all the world. I'm thankful for that. So while they were traveling in verse 23, friend, there, there no doubt was a lot of conversation going on. Don't, don't you imagine? And someone, and that, I read this somewhere in my studies that the scribes used to like to offer this, this, this question, how many are going to be saved? How many are going to be saved? You know what we do in revival or in, 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 in a year of time? We say, how many was saved? Oh, friend, listen, we ought to be concerned about people being saved. I mean, that, look, Steve said right. When we put our mission statement together, uh, when I became your pastor and redid our bylaws and constitution, our mission is to bring men to Christ and then to build Christ in men. In fact, that's the church's mission, not just RGTs. And as they and somebody spoke up, spoke up and asked, this question are there few that be saved if there's anybody in here undone lost or listening on can i tell you part of that answer is up to you You can be saved if you choose to, and that's where I'll end in just a little minute and just a little bit. But trust me when I say, God has made a plan of salvation that is so simple um, that he said, suffer or allow little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom. So simple that Isaiah prophesying said, it's so simple that a fool, though a wayfaring man, would not err therein. Don't tell me you can't be saved because I'll tell you, you can. It's just that you don't want to be. That's pretty straight shooting, but it's true nonetheless. You see, not are there many that can be saved or are there few that will be saved. For this text, for this message, the better question is, A, it's asking, are you saved? Well, that didn't seem to impress anybody. Let me try that again. They ask a question, are there few that be saved? My text is a better question, and the question is, are you saved? Now look, when you get down to the end of life, when, when life's setting out of you and when you're facing the crossing, you're facing the great beyond and your soul is going somewhere in eternity, you best know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Because trust me, we still preach an old-fashioned gospel and we, t we still tell people that there's a hell to shun. Now, I don't like saying that. If there's any one truth I could get rid of in the Word of God, it'd be the truth about hell. But the truth is, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. I'm told by scholar after scholar after scholar. You know why I'm saved here today, this morning? 
outside of what Christ did at Calvary to make it possible, I'm a scaredy cat. I knew April the 23rd, if I die, I'd go to hell, and I was scared to death. I didn't want to die lost. Hey, and I'm glad to the grace of God, I'm not going to. So let me ask you something. If you're saved, say amen. amen. And if you couldn't say that, you can before the day's out. You may have got up this morning lost, but you can end this day saved. You may have got up this morning blind and dead in trespasses and sin, but you can have your sight and you can have eternal life if you just turn to Christ today. You may have got up on your way to a devil's hell, but you can go to bed tonight with the peace of God in your heart knowing that you're on your way to a place called heaven. Amen. Boy, that's good preaching. Right there if I am doing it myself. Listen, I didn't ask you if you were a good moral person. I didn't ask you if you go to church. I like this illustration. Going to church don't make you a Christian. If you are a Christian, you ought to go to church. Something wrong if you don't. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I can stand in a garage all day saying I'm a Cadillac, but it doesn't make me one. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I asked if you're saved, if your sins are under the blood, because nothing else matters when it comes comes to the end. Look at verse 24 with me. Jesus said, strive. You know what that means? That means to agonize. That means to labor. That, that means to give it all you've got. Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not be able. Now, wait just a minute. What a statement for Jesus to make. Now, let me tell you where the problem is. Not with the way. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. Not with the Christ. If you heard me say that, say amen. It's not with the Christ who is the way, but it's the people that reject. See, you can get in if you want to. He throwed his arms out as far as east is from the west and said, whosoever will, let him come. And he said, strive. What do you mean strive? Well, listen, Jesus suggested that men and women need to strive in a straight gate. Now, let me tell you all something. There's a lot of preaching going on in this day of deception, in these last days, in these days of apostasy, in these days that just precede the second coming of Christ. That is another gospel and not the gospel of the grace of God. I don't have time to explain that, but trust this old preacher. Jesus has never changed his way. It's always been by grace through faith. It's always been by by putting your trust in the Lamb of God that cometh to take away or came to take away the sin of the world. Now listen, you got to strive to get in. You say, why, preacher? Well, let's be honest. The way that leads to life eternal... The way and the gate are narrow. Not all paths lead to heaven. There's only one way, one door, one Savior, and his name is Jesus. It's not Jesus and Buddha, Jesus and yin and yang. It's not Jesus and and Muhammad. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And you're on one road or the other. You're on the broad road that leads to destruction to the straight and narrow that leads to life eternal. Let me illustrate the difference between those two. 
If you're on the broad road, let me tell you, right now it looks good. Anything, have, any, anything goes. Nothing's wrong. Everybody's right. The grace of God is sufficient for you. You can turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, they say. Live any way you want. There are preachers that are now using foul language in their, quote, messages, unquote. If I ever cuss in this pulpit, y'all ought to stop me immediately and throw me out on my head or my can. Say amen. People have lost their blooming mind nowadays. We live in the age of grace, but we are not, friend, listen, to make disgrace of God's grace. We cannot continue in sin in this dispensation of grace if we've been saved by that grace. Thought I'd get more helping out. It was pretty good, but I wanted more. But people are teaching that now. That you can't get saved, just live any old way you want. You can't continue in your sin. If you continue in your sin, you're not a saint, you're a sinner. If you continue in your sin, you've not been saved, you need saved. I'm telling you what the Word of God said. Now look, you will sin on occasion. We're, we're, we're fallen creatures. We're imperfect, although we got a perfect salvation. But you cannot make sin a lifestyle and claim to be a... Oh, you can claim to be a Christian, but that doesn't make you one. I mean, it's all upside down. Look, that broad road, this is how it starts. Man, I tell you what. You'd think Jesus was saying there's a broad way and a straight and a narrow way, that the broad way just keeps getting better and better. As you go along, it keeps getting narrower and narrower. How many people started with one drink to become an alcoholic, and before it was all over with, instead of having all this great joy, all they were controlled by was getting another drink? How many people started taking their first hit of, uh, of some kind of dope, marijuana, or, or some kind of hit of speed, and, and boy, everything was good and available. Before it got over, their life was controlled by that. Their life was filled with demons, and they were dead while they were living. It narrows down if you're on the straight. Hey, you can start anyway. You can do all you want. But I'm telling you what, when it gets down to the end, it narrows. But you know what the straight and narrow gate, narrow way in the straight gate is, you've got to go through, listen, you've got to go through Christ. You've got to go, in essence, by Calvary. You've got to do it by faith. But, oh, sound about to, I, if I could jump, I'd jump. Hey, you know what? Once you get in that narrow way and through that gate, it just opens up. All the glory, the blessings, and the grace of God, more than we could ever imagine. It'll take us eternity to enjoy them and come to know them. Man, that was worth coming here this morning for. Wasn't it? That made me feel good. That was so good I got blessed on that one. Amen, amen. Look now at verse 25. I was trying to read my notes, see if I should have read the rest of that. He said, when once the master of the house has risen up, and has shut the, do has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I, I, I know you not whence you are. Listen, here's the reason. Not everybody's going in. And I'm going to give you several reasons into this message. It's because, listen, one day they'll try to get in too late. Huh. Y'all have heard this illustration. I'm poor on the illustration and y'all can say amen. 
But my favorite illustration of being too late is the Miracle Whip commercial that was on years ago. Do y'all remember? I hate Miracle Whip, just for the record. I am a craft mayonnaise man. Now, I'm upset with them. I'm real upset with them because they're putting too much vegetable oil in it. You get about two-thirds uh, way down in the jar, and it starts getting real creamy. I don't like that. I'm going to write them eventually. I may call them, actually, and suggest they, 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 they draw back on their vegetable oil, by the way. But you remember the, the, the Miracle commercial? You know, that's when people had common sense, and they would close the store at a decent hour and go home to their family. Y'all do remember those days, right? Well, this guy, he was in his little duplex or whatever he was in. He gets in the refrigerator, gets his meat out, gets his bread out, and gets, gets the miracle whip. And you know what he does? He takes the lid off that thing. He sticks his knife down in it and goes clunk, 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 clunk. He looks up at the clock. It's on his wall, and it's about three minutes till nine. Man, he leaves out of that place. He runs. He gets there. And as soon as he reaches for the door, the guy on the inside turns the lock, turns aside, and it says, closed. And he goes to his knees saying, oh. You die lost, sir, ma'am. You'll be worse than that. And we're not talking about you losing out on getting Miracle Whip, something go on your sandwich. We're talking about you losing out on eternal life. Have you ever been late for something that you could never get again, the opportunity? Boy, I have, and that, that is absolutely no fun. It's a strange, strange feeling. You see, the door was shut. There's going to be a day, and I hate to preach this, but I must. There's going to be a day that the door of grace and mercy, the grace of God, the mercy of God will be shut just like it was in Noah days. There was, everybody could have been on that ark that wanted to, and may I say, everybody was. Look at verse, look, look. I want you to take notice of the exchange between the Lord and those who thought they were ready. Listen to what it says. They were calling on Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And listen to the retort or the response of Jesus who knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible said in the book of Jeremiah 9, 17, the heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who could know it? Verse 10 continues, says, I the Lord, I the Lord know the heart, I try the reins. He knows not only your heart, sinner friend, and saved friend as well, uh, but he knows the intent of your heart. But he knows it. He knows it. Hey, they cried, Lord, Lord, and Jesus. Now listen to what he said. He didn't say, I knew you and forgot you. But he said, I know you not. Let, let me turn quickly. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Read two verses that are very, very familiar to Bible readers. Part of the Sermon on the Mount, verses 21 and following. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. What is the will of God? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name. That's God's will. He goes on to say many, many, isn't that sad? Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, 
Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out many devils uh, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And listen to the response of Jesus. And then will I profess unto them, this is out of the words, the mouth of Jesus, his word, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Wouldn't that be the, wouldn't that be the most awful thing if it was the last thing you ever heard from Jesus? Think about that. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, when they thought they were doing righteous things. You see, folks, one day, it'll be a day too late. And oh, how sad. Oh, how tragic that is. Now, let me make a point and move on. I'm getting real close to this message. This is addressed. Jesus is Words and Luke's records addressed to the Jewish nation, but it's applicable to all. This is a Jewish setting. It was in a Jewish land. Jesus is talking to Jewish people, but I'm going to tell you the truth that is in this passage of Scripture and this uh, story that we have here in the Word of God is applicable to everyone regardless what your ethnicity is or your background. So today... Through this passage, I want you to know something. Jesus is present here with us. It's not only as if Jesus were here speaking to us. He is here speaking to us. You hear my words, but if that's all you hear, I'm failing and you're not listening close enough. These aren't the words of T.K. Price. These aren't the words of Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle. They're the words of God. They're the words that Jesus spoke when he was on planet Earth as a man speaking to men. And friend, he's speaking to you today. Trust me. Trust me. I know he is. And you do too if you're lost and alone and, and, and undone. Let me, add, let, me, let, me, let me say something to you. If you're lost and undone today, you know what I'm going to encourage you to do? I'm going to encourage you to throw down everything that's in your possession. Everything that's in your way. Except a consuming drive to get you to Jesus so you can repent of your sin and by faith receive eternal life through receiving His Son. Can I tell you, I've said it again. Nothing else matters. I'm 70 years old. Look pretty good for 70, don't I? Except for the bags under my eyes and the one over my belly. <laughs> I've done enough funerals in 46 years plus of the ministry that I know what matters in life. I've seen families split over who gets what. I've seen them fall out, cuss each other, storm out of visitations and funerals. But can I tell you what most families want to know about the loved one that is now dead and they're facing the rest of their life without them? They look to the preacher and say, Preacher, can you give me any hope? And I look at them and say, I can't give you hope unless they left the right testimony. You know what? You know what? The only thing that matters, everything you possess, everything you've achieved, everything that you are, when it comes time for you to die and to face God in judgment, the only thing that matters is, are you saved? What have you done with Jesus in this life? Because that'll determine what he does with you in the next. I got a, 
I got to move on. I'd like to camp there, but I'm not going to. Look at verse 28, 29, 30. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and ye yourself thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west, from the north, from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And that's referring to Gentiles. The first verse, 28, referring to Jews. Verse 29, to Gentiles. Verse 30, behold, there are last which shall be first. The Jews thought they ought to be first, and there are the first that shall be last. Now listen to this. Here's the problem. Here is the problem that Jesus is facing here and contending with. These people, friend, these people of this story missed reality. They thought because, and I'll say maybe this again, they were the chosen people of God. They had it made, even though they didn't have a true, real relationship with God. Listen to me, everybody over here and here, here and over there. It's not enough to know about Him. You've got to know Him personally. You've got to know Him of the free pardon and forgiveness of sin. And listen, friend, once the door of mercy is shut, there's no entrance to anybody for any reason at all. So let me close with just a few remarks. Let me give you the reason why these folks missed out. The first reason is it's obvious. It's so obvious, even I've got it, they waited too long. The door was shut, and then all of a sudden it was important. I need in. Let me in. Lord, hey, hey, Lord, I know you. Listen, friend, it's one thing to call him Lord without knowing him, but it's a whole different other thing to call him Lord when you know him. Jesus knows the difference. I guarantee you they wanted in more after the door was shut than before it was shut. You say, why? There's a lot of reasons. I'm just going to give you one that comes to the top of my head so quick almost made me dizzy because they know how important it is. It's important that we know Jesus is Savior. You see, listen, friend, the Bible teaches without question, without doubt, clearly that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Sir, ma'am, you don't have any time, but now that which is present, that's all we have for sure. You may drop dead in a heartbeat. You hear me? People do it all the time. You may, you, you may be on your side of the road when you go up the road or down the road here on Roxalana. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to be real with you. And somebody be on the wrong side of the road and slip you into eternity. You may go, you may go to Long John Silver's. I go there about twice a year, and after I do, I can't figure the life of me why I went. It's good going down, but it's tough keeping it down, I'm telling you. Ah, gee, man. Oh. Hey, you might get one of those pieces of fish that did not get totally deboned. You may go to Josh's favorite place, Golden Corral, and get a chicken bone and die. I mean, I, I, I know it's funny the way I'm presenting. I want it to be, but it's real. Can I tell you, nobody plans to die. Mine and Doug's uncle, I loved him. I had him. I had him on a pedestal. His name was Barry. If he was here, all of y'all would love our uncle, wouldn't they, Doug? 
He was, he was just that kind. He had the cutest laugh. He'd go, tee-hee. He was good at about everything he went at. Everything, everything. But you know what? He got up one morning, went to work, did his, did his job as a, as a foreman on a section. When the day was just about ready to end, they were actually doing their uh, best to get it ready, make it safe for the next shift coming on. And you know what? A rock fell on him, crushed him, and sent him immediately to He didn't get up thinking, man, I'm dying today. Are y'all getting in? You said, boy, preacher, sh-. no, not shame on me. Shame on you if you come in here lost and you leave that way. Man, we're, hey, I've told y'all before, I'm going to tell you again, it's this weighty business that God's called me and Josh into. When I stand here, I, I, people say, oh, he shouts, and he, he spe- I, I'm a dinosaur preacher. I, I, don't, I don't deny it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I just who I am for the grace of God. I make a lot of noises. I, I'm just real, but I deal with souls. The souls of men and women will either be lost or saved for eternity. And that's pretty weighty. Do you hear me? And if you don't know what I'm called to do, I do. Every time I get in this place, I take it serious. I'm not the best preacher. I just try to be the best preacher I am. There's only three things you can do to a gospel message. You can either believe it or reject it or procrastinate over it. If you don't believe me, read Acts 17. If you read the old chapter, you'll get it although it's the last two or three verses in the chapter. No other responses to the message, right, Josh? You either accept, you believe, you reject, uh, or, or you procrastinate. If I were you, I wouldn't procrastinate. And if I were you, I wouldn't reject, so that leaves only one thing. Don't get too anxious yet. I've got three more things to say. Number two, look at verse 26. Then shall they begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. Now notice what they were trusting in. They were trusting in their privileges. That they had been in the presence of God. They had even enjoyed fellowship with him around a meal at a, at a table somewhere. He, he had been among them, but they failed to trust him and take him as their Savior. And knew, they knew things about him, but they did not know him. Now listen, you can come to church and get in his presence. I'm telling you what, we have some good times here at Roxalanda, don't we, folks? Spirit, hey, we're a Christ-centered church. We're not a man-centered church. It's isn't about you all. I hate to bust your bubble. We come here, and it's all about Christ. It's all about God, His Father. We come to worship Him. We don't come to applaud man. They were taking their privileges as all they needed. I'm not going to read verses uh, 29, and, but I am going to read 30. And behold, these, these are last which shall be first, and they are first which shall be last. You know, maybe pride got in their way. They thought that, that they would just be first when reality, they were last. And we can, re- can you imagine the shock when they heard that? Here they were, the chosen the privileges, son of Abraham, but they were not sons of God. And it seems that their tradition and national religion got in the way of them having a real personal relationship with Christ. You see, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, and therefore he missed both Jesus, God's son, 
and Jesus' Father God. Well, I'll tell you what. You want me to tell you why I think a lot of people won't get saved? Because they've got to humble themselves. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that you might be lifted up. Maybe I've got that verse partly wrong. In order to be saved, sir, ma'am, you must first realize you're lost. That means you must be willing to admit you're a sinner. Now, there's not a lot of churches in America now that'll preach that you're a sinner. I don't know if you're a bad sinner or not. I'm not here to quantify that or even categorize you. I'm just here to preach what the Word of God says in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, where the Word of God says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 10 of that chapter says, There's none righteous. No, not one. And I could turn and read more things the Word of God says about us who are born of Adam and fallen in our nature. You've got to be lost before you can be found. You've got to be lost before you can be saved. You say, boy, that's offensive, preacher. Well, take it up with God. I'm not trying to offend you. I had a man to tell me that, that if I preach on hell, that I, was, that I was abusing people. And I told him, I beg your pardon, sir, if I don't preach on hell, I'm abusing people. If I don't warn them to flee the wrath to come, if I don't warn them the truths of the Word of God, then I am abusing them. If they think they'll go in eternity all right and they've never accepted Christ as their Savior as they have repented. You, you know what I did the night I got saved? I told God I was a low-down sinner, didn't deserve get to hell, but I wanted to go there. And in light of what Jesus did, I'm trusting in his work at Calvary, and if he'd be gracious, he'd save me. You know what he did? He did. Amen. Well, I'm not done with that, but I'll move on. Come on, Judy. But let me close by mentioning maybe the greatest reason. Look at the latter part of verse 34 again. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. He said, How often I would gather thy chicks under, under my wings as a hen gathereth her brood under her wings. And listen to this last phrase, and ye would not. Sir, ma'am, you can be saved if you choose to be. How many in here are saved would agree that God's in this place dealing with somebody this morning? Say amen. amen. I'm not real smart and we're not real dumb either, but I know when God's dealing with somebody. People say, I, I can't get saved. You know what I hear? When I hear them say that, you don't want to be. You've got to realize you need to be before you will be. Unless you're a hypochondriac, now listen to this one, I'm going to say it's paradoxical. Unless you're sick, you won't seek a doctor's assistance unless you are sick. Hypochondriacs are sick in some way, but they're not sick physically, and yet they seek a doctor's help. We just don't go to a doctor's office to visit and say, how you doing? We've got a problem. Well, if you all grew up where Debbie and Doug and Sally and Sharon and all of us did over at Pond Fork when we went to old Dr. Meek's office, the waiting room, everybody had to remember what, what place you come in on, how many people were before you, He'd come to the door and say, next. And you go in behind that door and it looked like some place that Frankenstein used to be a part of. Had one of those, uh, what do you call it? I know what it is. 
autoclaves where he kept all those reusable needles in it. You remember that? Buddy, he'd hurt you when he'd give you a shot. Buddy, he'd say, which arm do you want your penicillin in? Before he'd say, what's wrong with you? And it had a smell to it. Y'all remember the smell? It wasn't dirty. It just smelled medicine-y. Do I, do I need to say any more? Man, I'm telling you, friend, nobody wants to go there without knowing. And you would not. He didn't say you could not. You can come today, and I'm closing on this. You can come today if you choose to. You say, no, wait, just a minute, preacher. Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except the Father which sent me draw him. I believe he's drawing. He's in this place. The Word of God has been preached. The gospel has been spoken. The Spirit of God is convicting men of their sins, convincing them of the need of Jesus. So the only thing left up to happen in order for you to be saved is you to come and say, I'm a sinner. I repent by faith. The best I know how, I receive Christ as my Savior. You don't have to say all that. All you do is say, Lord, save me, and He'll save you. It's not that you can't, that you won't. You saw all these people. Don't worry about these people. Man, listen, you better, better worry about standing before God rather than kneeling before this number. I'll kneel with you. I'll meet you at the altar. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you do if you just come give your life to Christ. Matter of fact, these people that are here saved will be tickled to death if they see you move. Because they moved one day, one night, just like I'm encouraging you to. So don't say you can't come. Jesus made it, like I said a while ago, so simple that a fool, though a wayfaring man, would not err therein. The question is, will you come and simply receive Christ as your Savior? Let me ask you then, if not, why not? What's standing in your way? What is standing in your way? What are you refusing to let go of? Now, if, like the devil has told multitudes of other people, you hear in your ear, in your mind, in your heart, wherever it may be, the devil said, no use you to go. You can't live it. You know what I'm going to say? The devil's right. You cannot live it. Nor can I, nor can... Everybody in your safe, say quietly, amen. Nor can they. But you know what happens when you get saved? Christ comes to live in you so He can live out of you. He enables us to live. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He comes to That man right there, Steve Arnold, that handsome man right there, except by the small. He led the devotion a while ago. You know what I tell people? I said, people that are lost, they need what Steve Arnett got, and he got a liver transplant. Okay? The kind of liver he got is not the kind of liver I'm talking about. He got a physical liver. I'm talking about a living liver. Y'all get that? So if you come, you'll do that. You can today if you choose to. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting on the right preacher, the right singers, the right day, the right hour. But I'm going to tell you what, you know what you may do? You may wait till you're lost eternally.